Come join the Warner Brothers and the Warner Sister Dot. Just for fun, we run around the Warner movie lot. They lock us in the tower whenever we get caught. But we break loose and then vamoose, and now you know the plot. It's Animaniacs. And welcome to World One Stage One. I'm Simon. I'm Troy. And I'm Mike again. Look, you're just Mike. No, but I'm Mike again. Yeah, you, you're becoming sort of a regular fixture, but people I know, know but it's this you is the again. last time I get to be Mike again, and I'm just being Mike after this. Well, you can't be Mike again because at no point did you stop being Mike, so you weren't Mike, then something else, then Mike again. You You've are not Mike returned still. to the state of Mike. Yeah, but I'm Mike again. All right, moving swiftly on. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Shall we get straight into some listener mail? Because we've got some. Let's. I love listener mail. This is always my favourite part of the show. Or we'll start off with another audio comment. Yeah. Because this one's awesome. Hello, World 1 Stage 1 guys. Um, I don't actually know if you guys do audio comments, but I'm going to send one anyway, just on the off chance that you do. Um, I am Ian, or Kerno1988, from the forums and Twitter and places like that. Um... I absolutely love your shows. I fucking um, love penguins. I just want to be friends with you guys, really. I want to come around and just, just play video game marathons, because that would be so much fucking fun. And you'll make me laugh. Um, to the point where I've got some really weird looks on trains. Because <laughs> you've just made me burst out laughing. And, and nobody else can hear what I'm laughing at, so I just look like the crazy person on trains. Uh, so yeah. That's what you do to people. You make them look crazy on trains. Um, that said, don't stop. Just keep doing it because it's fucking amazing. Um, yeah, I, I could sit and look through your back episodes and, and talk at length about all of them, especially the Halo one, which is fucking amazing. Um, well, the episode was alright, but 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 Halo the the series is just fucking awesome, and I agree with you guys that the extended universe is just brilliant. And you get so much more out of the games. I don't know if you've all finished Reach yet, um, but Reach really plays on that. It, it it's it's a farewell to the game. All of the chapter names and all of the achievement names are references back to the earlier games and the extended universe. And it just felt so awesome and good and right that it, that's where it should end. Um, but yeah, basically, I love the show. Keep going. It's brilliant, guys. And I'll see you guys later. Bye. Uh, P.S. Uh, are you guys on Xbox Live? Because I want to play games with people. I've got Reach, I've got ODST, and I have got... Uh, that doesn't do multiplayer. Anyway, yeah, what are your gamer tags? Because I couldn't find them on the site or the forums or anything. I can find Steam, but I'm not on Steam. Steam! Um, <laughs> yeah, <gamer tags>. oh, <laughs> Steam! Steam! <laughs> we love Steam. I'm so glad... Somebody gets it. Awesome. Oh, speaking of Steam, Kipriath, you better not be joking. You better not be toying with our affections. Draw a fag, draw us a Steam tan. Yeah, but we've got to do an FF7 show, remember? No, 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 that was someone else. Was it? Kipriath has said on Twitter, <gasps> no allegiance to Final Fantasy VII, and I am a draw fag, I will draw you a Steam tan. Sweet! You 
Right? Better not be shit talking, Kipriath. And she also doesn't believe that I'm me. No, I know. It's awesome. Yeah, it's awesome. But dude, because you haven't sat here and announced that you are Heap Hestus on Twitter. I'm Captain Obvious. Heap Hestus? Oh, you're not Heap Hestus on Twitter? Yeah, but my picture is Captain Obvious. Ah, yes. I am Heap Hestus. You are. Because I spelt it wrong when I was 12, but it's my name, so. Speaking of which, what is your Xbox Live? Heap Hestus. And if you also want to find me on Steam, he pesters. <laughs> and I am Right Error. Right Error. And Right Error. I am Doc Hooligan. And Doc Hooligan. And Doc Hooligan. But you don't have an Xbox. Well, I, I used to have an Xbox, and I used to play live all the time. I was like the Modern Warfare junkie. And then it red-ringed, and uh, then You're I lazy. discovered Steam. And basically what happened since I've got a PC capable of running most modern games is I haven't looked at my poor console. It does happen. I mean, I play console games on the console, but anything that's cross-platform... I'll play on PC. Because definitely. Damn, Steam specials. And as for finishing Reach, haven't started Reach. I, admittedly, that is... That little recommendation has... Ooh. Mm, and not, I did I've, go and look at some of the achievement names to go, really? And yeah, they are all just really geeky in-jokes, like I see you favor a 45. No. Or the soldier we need you to be. So that, that was creepy. Yeah. That was cre- okay. That's cool. There's some really good it little nods. Fun. Yeah. And uh the mission names and their subtitles. Are the all last throwbacks. one, the little subtitle of the last one is just such a ooh. which is don't you know Spartans never go KIA. Oh. Uh, oh. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So it reach does look really kind of Law-centric. Yeah. And it has tempted me somewhat to go and get it. And a, and a nice kind of swan song. Mm. Cool. Okay. Because I'm not lending this one to you. You've had my, OD- <laughs> you've had my Halo 3. You've had yep. my ODST. Yep. I'm not lending you Reach. Are you not? No. Why it's not? My, it's my brother's. It's not mine for a start. Oh, oh well, that's fair enough. Don't, <laughs> let me, don't let me your brother's games. Well, well ODST's his as well, but I told him to sod himself. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> well, there you go. Do it again. If it's worked once... But he's buying a new Xbox. I don't want to piss him off, otherwise he won't buy me a new Xbox. (laughs) That seems like a reasonable... He's four years younger than me, and he's got like 600 quid. I don't know how he does it. Has he sold a kidney recently? Well, actually, no. I know how he does it. He doesn't leave the house, but... How do you make money without... What? You don't lose money if you don't leave the house. You don't Uh, go to the pub and spend all your money. When you're young, you get lots of gifts, and he doesn't spend them on anything. Oh, cool. That is one way to do it. But yeah, Colonel, thank you for... A great audio comment, and a little tip to the listeners, it's a great way to get played with your audio comments on World <laughs> 1 Stage 1, is send them. Uh, and if that doesn't do it, flatter us. Yeah. Flatter us immensely. We're, and we're incredibly shallow people. We love yep. flattery and gold and monster trucks, so send us any of these things. And steam tan drawings. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Kipria, we're talking to you. Uh, but yeah, that was a great audio comment, and... Believe me when I say the hosts here at World One Stage One know what it is like to be looked at like the crazy person on the train. Oh, when I got all of like Bill Hicks's shows on my iPod, <laughs> just for hours on trains and buses, just laughing and laughing. People think I'm crazy. Yep. People think or people know. People realise the I drivers know me as that guy that sits in the back of the bus laughing. Excellent. Awesome. You want to be that guy. Cool. Uh, moving on. It's been a good week for Listener Mail. Yeah, it has. 
Uh, we, we've we heard from an old friend, Jonathan Mitchell. Oh, the good man of uh, Jonathan Mitchell Game Reviews. Yeah. Game Reviews with Jonathan Mitchell. Yep. Hey, gang, sorry I haven't written in a while. I really appreciated your shout out back in August. I feel guilty, though, because I haven't really updated my site since then. We know. Get on it. <laughs> yes, but, get on with it. But now that I have a better grip on iMovie, I will be coming out with a new episode soon. Hooray! Yay. Enough about me. You guys have been a powerhouse of new episodes. I love that once we start sticking to the once a week once we week, try yeah. and do, we become a powerhouse. <laughs> that's, that's the advantage all of the having such shows. a poor reputation in the past. Yeah, yeah it <laughs> All the other shows on Simple Syndicated Network, you know, are they powerhouses by comparison or is it just because we normally suck at it? I don't know. I, I, I fear to look into that too closely. Seriously, I don't know how you're turning them out so fast. I like the idea of a rotating cast. Good news for you, Mike. Yay. Maybe one day I can be a guest speaker. No. That's what? an interesting prospect. Why no? That would be cool. Nobody can take my seat. Guest right. speaker, Mike. Guest speaker. You're so now part of the rotation. you kind of like Russian roulette host. Lies. You might go off randomly and kill it. Uh, no, no, no. I can't carry that any further. Yeah, I'm fine with it. It'd be awesome. Keep up the great work. I especially liked in this Zelda episode that Jack was educating you to a lot, which made many of his descriptions clearer than normal. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait for the next one. I just want to say now that if you do a Resident Evil series episode, which we have been asked for, I have to be on it. It's one of my favourites. I would also suggest Oddworld, oh. which has also come up amongst the hosts. Yeah. I love Oddworld. Uh, all right, I'll try not to wait so long between letters. Night, guys. Good night. Bye. Good night, John. Yeah, thank you for that. That's another good letter. Yeah. I really like the idea of getting in guest speakers. Mm. But we, we have Skype. We have the technology. It would be dizzying. Because, you know, we're, we're an English show. Yep. You know, despite the fact I'm not English, we've all got similar sounding voices. I think poor Jonathan Mitchell. <laughs> it would be very strange hearing his voice amongst us. I'd be scared. I have no problem with going international, though. Your your New Yorker accent would start coming back as well. Oh, it might do. That uh, would that would be potentially a problem. I've nah. never had your accent. No, it's not something I can do spontaneously, but it's something I can't help but do under the right circumstances. Yeah, I know that feeling. Mm. It's I have spent so long in the states. Specifically, I used to live out there for a little while. That I picked up the accent, and upon returning home, I've since discovered that any time spent in the company of someone with an American accent brings mine out involuntarily until I can sit there and be so convincing that they will ask me where in the States I'm from. Having clearly forgotten, I sounded like this at the beginning of the conversation. <laughs> yeah, it helps if you're drinking, right? It does, yeah. In fact, that helps both in the uh, forgetting that I sounded like this at the beginning of the conversation and also in the accent. Moving on, we have yet more mail, this one from Emil, who is uh, representing an opinion that he's not alone in. This has also come up on the forums. Righto. The, the mail is entitled, You Forgot the Best Zedler. Yeah. Dear, we didn't forget it. This no, is Jack's fault. Jack forgot the best Zedler. Dear World 1 Stage 1 people. Ah, He considers us people. People. <laughs> I was delighted that you guys tackled Zelda, or Zedler, in your last show. As a long-time Nintendo fanboy who grew up on the series, I was so happy to hear you talk about it, I even tweeted about it. However, 
Oh, that's an ominous word. Don't oh, say that. With, with three dots. No, that's, that's where the letter ends, right there. Don't however, however is how he signs out. However, <laughs> good night. There we go. I was eminently disappointed that you guys almost completely ignored the Super NES entry, The Legend of Zelda, A Link to the Past, which is considered the most influential Zelda game of all. Now, this is where I become confused by this letter. Almost completely? I, I'm pretty sure we didn't mention it. Yeah. I don't think we did at all. No. <laughs> so... Well, Jack's an idiot. I, I think it's kind of... It's, it's not it. in good taste to correct listener mail, but... No, we didn't. <laughs> <laughs> we did completely ignore it. Was it was much worse. We actually completely ignored it, to my recollection. Mm. Sorry. Anyway. Now, because I respect you beyond uh, belief, seriously, I don't believe how much I respect you, but I do... <laughs> I will not give you the typical fanboy reaction, a.k.a. you guys suck and are the wrongs. Instead, I will tell you all why A Link to the Past was the foundation for all future Zelda games. 1. It introduced the hookshot. This should be enough for you. Yep, true story. Hookshots yep, yep. win. It works. That It's established we love the hookshot. It introduced the ocarina. True, it was called the flute then, but it set up the idea of warping through the use of music. It even looks exactly the same as the ocarina. Fair enough. Cool. Yeah. It established one of the biggest Zelda trademarks, the idea of travelling between worlds. More specifically, a good, happy, light world and a horribly soul-sucking, sad world. Okay. Most of the most awesome music ever written for a video game series appeared on this game first. Now that's largely, you know, sub- uh, subjective. Highly subjective. But- I mean... To be fair, it's a Zelda game. We all know I'm a, a huge fan of Martin O'Donnell's Halo music. Ditto. So, it is subjective, but okay, if a lot of the Zelda um, refrains originated in this game, yeah. then he has a point there, certainly. It introduced the Master Sword, and the idea that at different points in time a hero must arise, thus explaining the whole series. So, that would have been a good reason for us to mention it, admittedly. Yeah, yeah it could have been... More importantly, it set up the two-stage convention of having an original quest that leads to getting an important time-dimension-changing object, be it sword or ocarina, etc., which then leads to the second part of the quest, which was something I was trying to get across as something I considered a trope of Zelda. Mm. And uh, certainly if I'd known about Link to the Past, I would have probably mentioned that. The the, the two-part game, effectively. Yeah. Holy Uh, shit. Kakariko Village, Hyrule Castle, Zora's Domain, Ganon's Tower, and Lake Hillia all first make their appearance in A Link to the Past, which surprises me. I, I thought Hyrule Castle appeared in Zelda 2. I'm pretty sure it does. But other than that, I can't actually argue with him in any way. They are all very significant locations, and yeah, okay, I'm starting to feel quite bad about this. And its introduction set up the storyline between the Seven Sages and essentially introduces the story you play in Ocarina of Time. I'm going to skip the next one for now. Heart containers and pieces of heart show up in this game for the first time. That's a pretty significant Zelda trope to ignore. And last but not least, the game is longer and more challenging than Ocarina of Time. Water Temple? Nothing compared to some of the dungeons in this game. And the one I missed out on the list was... um, it's the first 8-bit SNES game ever, which yeah. it's not. Uh, it, 8 megabit cartridges were introduced to put larger games onto the SNES system, mm-hmm. and they were introduced in the same year that uh, Link to the Past came out. Mm-hmm. But they were introduced, the earliest one I can find a record of was about six months earlier, and that was uh, Final Fantasy IV. Okay. 
another epic adventure game, so... They were making certain use <clears throat> of the uh, space available. It was certainly one of the earliest, but not the first. Although Emil goes on to say, It is, hands down, the most streamlined Zelda game ever made, and the template for all Zeldas after it. Yeah, sure sounds like it, actually. Yeah. Oops. <laughs> Like all old school Zelda players, I adore Ocarina of Time, enjoy Twilight Princess, and hate Wind Waker. <laughs> but A Link to the Past is the one Zelda game that I can come back to again and again and again when it comes to replaying these. Rant over, keep up the good work, Emil. You know, it's funny. Two shows we've done now since the Zelda episode, and the beginning of each has been kind of... Let's we know, guys! <laughs> um, let, us, let us fix this! Well, Zelda is a big fandom. And yeah. there's a lot to cover. And we could have done two shows. Oh yeah, easily. Uh, if not more. Uh, if we'd split it into games that are worthy of a show on their own, we could Holy have done at least Jeebus. three, if not four. Yeah. Uh, it's worth saying at this point, Jack agrees that we should have mentioned A Link to the Past. Oh yes, he does. He, uh, in a sort of mea culpa, hands up kind of way, went, yes, I sort of forgot that one. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Considering how much he goddamn loves hook shots. Yeah, that is true. Uh, so, yeah, we can only apologize profusely for the, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Omittance. Omission. Omission. We can that. only apologize profusely for the omission. <sighs> can I just bring up completely randomly one of my favorite, like, omittance is not a word, but you know what it means. My favorite word like that, artillerate. <laughs> to fire <laughs> artillery at the enemy. Would you mean bombard? No, artillerate. That's a good word. Artillerate the enemy. Honestly, though, I thought you were going to go for more Pokemon sex moves. No. Are you sure? Maybe later. Okay. How are you, gentlemen? We've heard from Owen. Gentlemen? Owen! The, the... See, you know how I feel bad about uh, not pronouncing people's names correctly? Because yeah. it's Owen, damn it. Well, it's Owen, damn it. <laughs> not Eoin or whatever the... Oh, dear. Sorry, yes, Owen. Sorry. Uh, we apologize, but thank you for writing again and only slightly telling us off for mangling your name. Owen writes, How are you, gentlemen? Yes, you completely butchered my name last week. But no worries. It's actually Irish, not Elfin. <laughs> and it's pronounced the same way you would pronounce the name Owen. Cool. And, okay, my final offer, if I cannot tempt you into a Final Fantasy VII episode... You can't. Yes, you can. You will no, be you, quiet. You can't tempt me into a Final Fantasy VII episode. Me and Jack episode. will do one. Don't worry. It will be some time. So, you might be able to tempt them into a Final Fantasy episode, but not me. Anyway, getting back to the letter. I will take a Resident Evil episode, 1, 2, and 3 only, in exchange for Steam Tan. No. Well, your bargaining position is under threat, I'm afraid. Although Resident Evil is another one we've had a couple of yeah, requests true. for. And it would in the letters be pretty this interesting. Week. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it would be pretty interesting, so... Because we've we not see. played Resident Evil, but I do keep hearing good things about it. It's kind of like, actually, this is a... A series I could probably stand to get my feet wet with. Yeah. I am aware this keeps up with games Simon will not want to play. Well, my opinion on survival horror games is well noted. But what can I say? Our gaming tastes must differ. Although I do love point-and-click adventures, and your scum and villainy episode led me to discover Day of the Tentacle, so thank you very much for that. Yeah, boy. You are Go welcome. <laughs> so I thought I'd go for a more normal question this week. Well, only marginally more normal. Have you guys ever had a crush on a character in a video game, and if so, who? Mine would probably be Eris, well, Erith or Eris from the English language version, from Final Fantasy VII. Okay, well, 
Hope you guys are well and can't wait for the next episode. Owen, the Irish Elfin Code Monkey. P.S. If this episode is read out on the show before the 21st of November, tell Troy I wish his countrymen the best of luck in the rugby game against the Irish. Here's to a good game, free of vicious spear tackling. No. What was it you said, Troy? About the Irish? I said some stuff. Some things. He said some bad things. What, was it possibly... something about how New Zealand had already beaten the English and right. then some comparison between the Irish and the English? I think that may have it may have been a comment along those lines. Some uh, basically something... one 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 was same as t'other, basically. Well no, that that's actually more complimentary than what you no, actually you said, isn't it? That's true. That. You but may, you're doing it on purpose now. You may have called the Irish the poor man's English. That's not what that is pretty much that, exactly what I that said. That is exactly what you said. <laughs> it was a comment made in jest. <laughs> under the power of rugby induced patriotism. And and I may have threatened to bring it up on the show at the time. And we have. It's Thanks. Fun. Because, you know, I didn't look like enough of a xenophobe before. Well, you've got to remember, I apparently, I'm told, have Celtic ancestry, so... Yes, you're a Viking. No, that's that's not Celtic ancestry. You're right, but I felt it would be necessary to point out, for the record again, that I'm you not are a Viking. a Viking. Anyway, let's address the question. Troy, have you ever had an embarrassing crush? Well, the word embarrassing wasn't in the question, but I'm adding it for my own purposes. Okay. On a video game character. No. I haven't. Because when I was a kid, it was at that point when, you know, Goldeneye was the, uh, the, the, the height of graphics. Of graphics yeah. And I just couldn't attach. Is Square That's... not a, a, an attractive attribute you look for in a lady's face? No, no. Or Square with the slight protuberance of nose. A slight protuberance, yeah, a triangle. Really do much for me. <laughs> um, so... I mean, I remember a couple of years later, sort of 12, 13, when Lara Croft was a big thing. Even then, it was like, guys, she, she's not real. See, I'm not so sure I believe your denial, and we'll see how you react when I reveal mine. Mike? Uh, yeah, I fancy Lara Croft. Like, loads. <laughs> like, loads. I would spend hours just making her do flips. Were you appreciative of the level design that forced her to get down on all fours and crawl through tight spaces on a regular basis? I was 12, but yeah. (laughs) (laughs) See, for me, I have a similar problem to you there, Troy, in that when I was growing up, well, it was even worse back then. I mean, Samus Aran would have been the height of my possible interests, I suppose. (laughs) But that didn't preclude me from getting a crush on a character much later in life. Tully. Oh, my God. No. Ah, wait, no. What's the question? Uh, have you guys ever had a crush on a... Oh, okay. It's not childhood. No, it's a char- crush on a character in a video game. Tully. Tully. This is why I felt it was appropriate I was playing Dragon Age, because Simon <laughs> will attest to... The- Lean into a microphone and say this, love. I feel that it was appropriate for me to turn up and just stop playing Dragon Age for a moment, because as Simon will attest, I do have a faintly disturbing level of, of obsession by this point with both, uh-huh. li- with both Liliana and Zevran yep. from said series. Yes, your perfect threesome. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Ro- rogue party! Yep, rogues do it from behind. So I am reliably informed. Yes, well, I Tarly. didn't like Tarly. Something's wrong with you. Dead ass. I thought she was lovely. She is, and that's why I have a crush on her, because she's lovely. I 
didn't have she's a crush adorable. on. She's adorable. Even my other half agrees with me <laughs> and would totally go gay for Tali. So. She has a bucket on her head and it's a lovely bucket. <laughs> <laughs> Some of my favourite dialogue in Mass Effect 2. What? Okay. Are you not aware of this one? No. I, I've not played Mass Effect 2. <laughs> You've played Mass Effect 2, right? Dre? I played like 20 minutes before my Xbox died. Oh, did you play enough to get onto the new Normandy? No. Yes. Yes. And have you encountered your Scottish engineer in the basement? Yes. Well, later on, when Tali comes aboard, that's her station aboard the ship, is mm-hmm. she stood on the other side of the engineering department. And he and Gabby keep having conversations about her. And one of the things he says is, she's got a bucket on her head. Don't get me wrong, it's a lovely bucket, but she's got a bucket on her head. I think it's rather more sophisticated than a bucket. <laughs> but now that we've dealt with, uh, well, our, our various glaring omissions in the past, and uh, some of the praise, and, uh, well, you know, thank you very much to everybody who's written in and gone, oh, yeah, you guys. There's one more person there who's written one in. More thing, one more thing who's written in. We are done with listener mail, but we have one more letter to read. From Jack. Hyrule blog, or do you want to read episode one? Oh, do you want to read it out? I can't read it particularly. You go for it. Okay. (laughs) Dear guys of World One Stage One, I appear to be lost amidst a strange collection of trees and rocks. An old man has gifted me with a wooden sword. Old man. An old man has gifted me with a wooden sword to help me on my way but I fear it may not be enough to combat the dark forces of landbound octopi, bouncing tektites, and spinning bastard levers. <laughs> I saw a moblin today. That was pretty neat. Then he shot me in the face with an arrow. Times murdered horrifically so far? 38. Number of times I have even seen the first dungeon? Zero. All in all, I think this marathon is off to a good start. 39. Boo. P.S. In black and white... If I sacrifice the corpses of the fallen to myself, how can that be considered evil? I raise my power to look after my subjects. I bring an end to the grieving caused by skeletons just lying around. Not to mention keeping the villagers looking tidy. And it stops me from sacrificing live villagers. For a while. Also, something I never did figure out. If I were to poison the food reserves of an enemy village by dropping a mushroom in his village store, would that increase my evil score when they all start dying off? I mean... I get if I burn down the houses and set lightning to the fishermen, that would do it. But does playing the long game in that regard have the same effect? Yours truly, Jack, 40 Crawford. <laughs> well, he's kind of given the game away there. And I know it's in the title of the show. I but... was going to say, you might be wondering if you're listening to Simply Syndicated Radio and haven't looked at the bit on the webpage where it does say what is currently playing on Simply Syndicated Radio. So, in that specific circumstance, if you're not aware of the title of this show, you might be wondering, why is Jack talking about black and white all of a sudden? That's a bit incongruous, isn't it? Yes, isn't it? Except that it's right on topic. Wow, Jeremy Clarkson just swooped on past the microphone (laughs) there for a second. Oh, no, no, that wasn't my Clarkson. You'll know if I ever do my Clarkson. You kind of, you draw yourself up and, let's cut to the clip. A little bit, yeah. Okay, cool. (laughs) Yeah. So yes, that was the first and hopefully a regular occurrence of the uh, the Hyrule blog. Yep. Yay. Because but like I said, Jack is serious about this marathon shit. He really is. I mean, we saw him yesterday and no, he really is. He's not kidding. 
which is rare and terrifying for Jack. So he's going to be gone for a while, but those requested Zedler flailings... <laughs> flailings! Flailings of Zedler. <laughs> ...should hopefully be coming in regular oh, written correspondence. Can, can I copyright that as a new game, The Flailings of Zedler? Well, no, because you don't own Zedler. Shigeru Miyamoto owns Zedler. No, Shigeru Miyamoto owns Zelda. Jack owns Zedler. Oh, no, he hasn't copyrighted, he hasn't it, yet, copyrighted has it yet, has he? Mm, I could steal it. Kind of copyright through creation. But he has unwisely not... Anyway, black and white. Black and white is today's topic. Yes. Black and white, the 2001 Lionhead production. Yay. Now, this, is, this is one that I've actually really been looking forward to, because we do occasionally get the little hints of... Well, when I was in the studio, when we did this... <laughs> well, this is actually before my time there. Really? So I feel entirely comfortable talking about this one because uh, it was Black and White 2 that was underway when I was there. I see. So you're not uh... kind of worried about your experience colouring your review slightly? No. Um, all like, Well, a little bit, maybe, because Black and White was one of those games that inspired me to apply cool. to, for a job at Lionhead. Uh, although, to be honest, I had already decided long before then I wanted to work with Peter Molyneux. Cool. It is worth... Laying my cards on the table. The man is a bit of a personal hero. I admit he has his flaws, and we will come to those flaws, no doubt. Oh, dear. <laughs> uh, but just in terms of the same... No, not the same flaws as John Romero. That's being far too harsh. One of the same flaws as John Romero. Which is? Which is... It's kind of the flaw of enthusiasm. He loves everything so much. He really genuinely wants to make the best game he can possibly make. Mm -hmm. And when he's talking to the press, he is describing the game he has in his head. I not see. the game that's running in the studio. Yeah. And so this is why a lot of Lionhead games suffer from hype. Yeah. And it's a fair criticism. Uh, Fable, certainly in the early days of Project Ego, was billed as something very different to what it ended up being. Mm -hmm. And what it ended up being was a lot of fun. Oh, Don't story. get me wrong. That's why we're talking about doing an episode on that as well. But it wasn't Project Ego, not by a long shot. Right. Because technology didn't exist to deliver the game Peter had in mind. Much like Daikatana. Not much like, but in a similar yeah, vein. Yeah. yeah, which is why I said... Compare, saying much like John Romero is a bit of an insult. A little but, bit like John Romero, but in a, in a kind of a lovable... Well, way. that one flaw is the same in both. Peter certainly doesn't have some of the other flaws of John Romero. That's, that's a whole show. That's <laughs> a whole show by itself. The flaws of John Romero coming soon. <laughs> <laughs> but no, after Bullfrog, uh, Peter Molyneux went on to found Lionhead Studios down in Guildford. Well, sorry, Research Park. That's neither here nor there. Uh, because Bullfrog sold out to EA. Um, and this is kind of, this is during the days of EA the Evil Empire. Yes. I mean, we have spoken, even kind of defended EA recently about some of their recent decisions and, and the style of the... Yeah, and I mean, it, obviously there were no hard feelings. Uh, yeah. Because look who published Black and White. What do you think of that? Yeah. Uh, the owners of Peter's old company. I mean, it makes sense. You sell the company for what it for what you can get. Then you take all the best brains from that company, leave, and set up a new company, and continue work as if nothing had changed, yeah. which was sort of what he did. And Lionhead has made some truly great games. Certainly has. Starting with its first game, which was very much in the vein of Peter Molyneux, 
black and white. Black and white was Lionhead's first. Oh yeah, was it? Wow. Okay. It Brilliant. was their defining Brilliant game. As far as kind of hitting the ground running as a new production house, that's really impressive. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of talent there already, but yep. to just wallop straight lay it on the table. Yeah. Well, Lionhead haven't made a huge number of games, but they have been quality much over quantity. Pretty much all hits. Yeah. Uh, no misses apart from the cancellations. So yeah, the first release was Black and White, followed by Fable, followed by Black and White 2, followed by the movies. Oh yeah. Fable ah. 2, Fable 3, and of course there's also the uh, Project Natal, better known as Kinect Demo Milo, that's been floating around on the web. Mm-hmm. We don't know what will come of that. However, there is also the the sad list of Lionhead cancellations, uh, which involves, well, one, Unity, which you will both know as the music visualizer on the Xbox 360. (laughs) (laughs) That's what remains of that particular Jeff Minter project. Interesting. Jeff Minter, of course, being the founder of LlamaSoft and the creator of LlamaTron. He fucking loves llamas. And the Revenge of the Mutant Camels. Jeff Minter... Jeff Minter is very much a hippie, very much into his psychedelia. Unity was a game that combined his love of music visualization with gameplay, Mm -hmm. except that it didn't. It was mostly his love of music visualization, Uh, and it didn't really get anywhere in terms of gameplay. But Microsoft, who were um, very friendly with Lionhead, as was later revealed by the buyout, uh, were around and saw what Jeff was doing on the GameCube and said, hey, we've got the Xbox 360 in development. We need a visualizer. Yeah. Which is why, to this day, if you pick up the controller whilst the visualizer is running full screen and play with the sticks... Things will happen. You can steer the visualizer. Yeah. Because that's the the remnants of the gameplay of Unity. Huh. Cool. And BC, which was (laughs) around whilst I was there and honestly could have been one of the best games on the 360 at launch, if they'd, instead of cancelling it because it couldn't run on the Xbox, retooled it for the 360. Hmm. Um, in brief, it's a very Lionhead game, it's a very Peter Molyneux game. Uh, you control the, the tribe leader of a small tribe of cavemen. I see. Uh, no yeah. language is available to you, so you communicate through a series of gestures mapped to the controller, mm-hmm. uh, and indirectly you can influence your tribe to assist you in various tasks and the idea is to lead them through a hostile environment and help them to flourish and spread and that environment is filled in a very 1950s b-movie style with dinosaurs cool awesome it's not an accurate simulation of the neolithic era of man or the era of dinosaurs it is a simulation of the 1950s type b-movie where dinosaur and man lived side by side and a perfectly accurate simulation of that world. That does sound incredibly Mr. Molyneux. Doesn't it just? And you had to find food sources, deal with carnivorous dinosaurs in indirect ways, because you can't fight a T-Rex. But you can burn the bushes that the local herbivores are feeding on, causing them to move off to find greener pastures elsewhere, thus taking the T-Rex's food source away, and making the T-Rex follow them. Huh. That sort of solution, that sort of creative thinking. And that's the mind which has given us black and white. Yep. Which, 
has some comparisons to BC. Oh, yeah. The, having heard about BC now, it's kind of like, mm. oh, yeah, your creature and certain aspects of how you are. Your indirect vision. influence on the world. Because this has been a long-running thing since Populous, which was one of the earlier games and one of the games that cemented God Game as a genre. Was, was fantastic. The people were somewhat autonomous, and you could enact spells on the land and drop flags to rally them to various places, but your direct control over them was extremely limited. Mm -hmm. To me, that's why Black and White is almost a spiritual successor. A lot of the biggest spells, Volcano and and such, come directly from Populous. Yeah. And it felt so much better than Populous 3. So we've kind of started talking about it, but we've not touched on what is Black and White. It is a god game. God in game. the traditional sense that was almost defined by Peter Molyneux's work. Mm-hmm. You play a god, literally a divine being called into existence by a sincere prayer, which I kind of like as a mythology. Yeah. Someone uh, needed you. Yep. The intro sequence shows parents on a beach whose child is out at sea drowning and they need help and you are born. As a, a young god, very minor in your influence, and summoned down to this world where you can straight away pluck this child from the water, set him on the beach. And actually, I think that's all pre-rendered. You can't make any decisions about that family, You can cannot you? immediately fling him into the distance. <laughs> I was going to say, pluck him out of the water and fling him as hard as you can. Because let's be fair, villager flinging totally is, a, is a time-honored sport. But no, you, you are fairly neutral at that point, and then you are introduced to your consciences. I hated those guys. I love them. They're, they're wonderful. Brilliant. They are absolutely fantastic. The they evil guys so, so very kitsch. It is, again, massively pastiche. You have the good guru god sitting on his cloud, mm-hmm. ready to dispense advice of how to be lovely to the people. They're going to need farms and lovely things and shelters and don't burn them. That would be mean. You should make it raid on their corn. That would be lovely. Let's do that. And then on your other shoulder, of course, was the more grizzled Brooklyn-sounding devil. With with the pitchfork and the, the horns. Absolutely. And, and <laughs> it was like, pick him up, throw him away, burn him, drop rocks on him. You kind of sound like you're going for Dr. Girlfriend there. <laughs> awesome. Imagine if your conscience was Dr. Girlfriend. Sweetie, just throw him over the volcano. <laughs> <laughs> Have you been working on your Dr. Girlfriend? Because that was pretty good. A <laughs> little that bit, was, yeah. That was, like, so good. <laughs> I, I was thinking, ah, oh, shame, that's a voice Troy can't do. And then there it was. Yay! <laughs> oh, God. And they are your consciences. Uh, played by the same voice actor. Really? Led to a hilarious uh, dialogue between the two of them, uh, where they, they discuss how they are played by the same guy. And I wish that was in there. Because it's not like this game is without Easter eggs. True story. Uh, So, we've established now you are a god and you have your consciences, who immediately serve as your tutorial. They uh, teach you how to interact with this world, and you appear in the world as as a severed hand. Well, I always always thought of it less as... You appear to the people as this hovering severed hand. They don't see the hand, you do. It's it's your cursor. Yeah, your, your cursor is a hand which can literally grip the world... And pull you along it. That was kind of creepy. <laughs> kind of was. Clawing across the landscape yep. like some dismembered... Oh. 
And it can also be used to pluck trees up by the roots, pick up rocks, pick up people, throw rocks, throw trees, throw people. (laughs) You've just, that was my favorite thing. Just, my villagers don't believe in me, eh? Well, we'll see about that. (laughs) You just start hurling people into the water. And their neighbors who are going, God, he's a bit of a, he's a passing fad. All of a sudden, when all their mates are floundering in the water, what happened to you? <laughs> Don't fucking know! <laughs> oh, that... There's that guy that refuses to believe in you and looks right at you and goes, oh, I don't believe in you, go away. Pick him up, throw. <laughs> and he comes back and goes, that was naughty. Pick him up, throw. <laughs> Yay. And, yeah, so you can also, uh, before lest we forget, you can also cast Miracles. Which available in two forms. One was the gesture system, which was awesome, where you drag your mouse out and create a gesture on the screen and it conjures magic. I mm-hmm. found that incredibly awkward, but I was small. It was I difficult will, on a mouse. I will say this. Graphics tablet. Oh. Makes it so much easier. That would be actually a really cool way of playing. Really is. Head, yeah, good heads up. Um, or you could use hotkeys, which were very functional, but quite dull. They lack the pizzazz. They do. There is a certain style in using the graphics tablet, especially when you uh, realize that the effectiveness of the spell is linked to the accuracy with which you draw the symbol. Oh. Is it? Yep. Oh. Which is kind of awesome. That explains a lot. (laughs) (laughs) We use the little kind of limp god. who Flailing, trying to get another fireball. (laughs) Failing. So yes, you're presented with a world, a world of primitives, and they are based on ancient human cultures. There's the Greeks, the Aztecs, the Norse, I'm forgetting one, Japanese. I always thought the first, because the tutorial yeah. guys that you first come across, they are quite mm. English, aren't they? No, they're Norse. Are they the Norse ones? Yep. Yeah, you oh, okay. look, just look at the houses, like long oh, houses. Oh, the, the long houses, yeah, okay, cool. Mm. I've not really noticed. Duh. And those are the cultures that it's based on. And if you press the right button, you can pull up their their names. Have you never done this? No. No. It's one of the nicest little features. They all have names. Oh, lovely. So and you know precisely who you're throwing in. There is a database of pre-built names. Mm-hmm. All the employees of Lionhead. Ah. Oh, but if you happen to use Outlook, which was an incredibly popular email client at the, time, the time. Oh, yes. Microsoft's email client at the time. It would tap into your contact list, and, and it just, would name villagers after your friends. Oh, that's kind of creepy. So I'd I'd be walking along, and it's like, oh, there's my friend Nick. Pick him up. What shall I do with you? <laughs> <laughs> and there's why the God Game began to appeal. Yeah. Absolutely, because <laughs> mostly you have an indirect influence on this world. You can't interact with most of the world. Mm-hmm. But you do have a sphere of influence in which you can manifest physically, pick things up and interact with them. And the way to grow that sphere of influence is to make people believe. Mm-hmm. There are many ways of doing this. The obvious one, the one that the game presents to you as the the out-and-out clear way of doing this, is by con- uh, completing stories, quests. Yeah, villagers are praying for rain for their crops. You make it rain, hurrah! Yes, basically, prayers to answer. And most of them can be answered in, well, largely two ways. Well, 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one of your consciences will encourage you to do one, the other, the other. For example, when you're trying to build a totem, which comes up very early on in the game, a totem which is a representation of three giant creature heads. One of the villagers has one of the pieces of the totem in their hut. Which I is, remember that one. It's bigger than the hut, but go on. <laughs> no, it's actually almost exactly the same size as the hut. Because it is whatever. actually in there. And the way you can prove it's in there is by following your devil conscience's advice of smash the hut open and take it. Yep, you just pick up some rocks, dodge some rocks at his house, and he fucking believes in you after that, boy. How do he does he? Yep, and you just nick the totem. It's great. Oh, God! Give me this! I, I was even more of a dick. I followed the good God's advice to go and go and find the sick brother that's lost in the did woods. Did you then drop the sick brother from a great height directly in front of the sister? Because that's no, what I did. No, I, I, I gave them back. They had their hug. They went inside, gave me the rock, and then I used the rock to smash the house. <laughs> you see, I just went, right, here's your brother. Thump, and just threw him at the ground in front of her. You wanted him? Thump. There he is. <laughs> You should have been Yay. more specific about the condition in which you wanted him returned. Wow. <laughs> I did exactly what you I don't want to live asked. in your nightmarish world. <laughs> uh, and the reason you're trying to assemble this creature token, uh, totem is to bring us into the other main element of the black and white gameplay. Yep. You're yep. unlocking the gate to the realm where you can find your first creature. Oh my god, that thing. <laughs> In black and white, you have an avatar amongst the people, a physical embodiment of your rule. And the ones you get to choose from in the first instance are, unless I mis uh, misremember, a lion, being Lionhead. Mm -hmm. Well, tiger, really, it was. It was a tiger. Yeah. It was a tiger. A gorilla? A gorilla, and it was... Cow. It, it was, was the, the cow. cow. I hate the cow. Yeah. <laughs> you could choose to actually... Be present amongst your people in the guise of one of three fucknuts. Well, no, one of several later on because you can oh, yeah. become other, you can swap your creature for other creatures. I My favourite being the that. Kung Fu Turtle. <gasps> you hadn't got that far before, had you? No, I've not got that far. <laughs> Kung Fu Turtle. Awesome. I've got loads of turtles. <laughs> oh, man. I want a Kung Fu Turtle! Uh, you will also encounter wolves and various other animals but the, the turtle was always my favorite there's nothing like a shiny multicolored turtle storming into an enemy city and Killing mixing everybody. it up with some <laughs> awesome kung fu uh, but yes your creature is special more than normal creatures he will grow to an enormous size 20 30 feet tall and going back to that b-movie sensation yeah definitely and also the dinosaur feel really mm -hmm. it's kind of especially the gorilla of very king kong <laughs> Oh, God. And this is a game in which it's almost... Uh, it's another recurring theme, especially at the time uh, amongst Lionhead games, is the world will physically change and aspects of the world will physically change to represent the moral decisions you're making. So the hand you, you, you have as your cursor will become a glowing golden hand if you're wonderfully good and a charred, withered hand if you're evil. Your creature is the most obvious representation, mm -hmm. although it's actually the creature will represent its own morality, not yours. They can be wildly different, which is a problem. I did find that that once I picked the lion, and for some reason he decided to be a goody two shoes. 
<laughs> and was just always really good and really nice. And I was always hitting him and telling him to be evil. <laughs> but he wouldn't. And he became all fluffy and cute. And it was horrifying. But this is the thing. It's, it's kind of crucial that it represents its own morality, not yours. Because the creature is not directly under your control. It is an AI. It had a couple of bugs. 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 If left on its own, it would trend towards evil very heavily. It would shit in your villagers' houses and then stand there like a lobotomized patient drooling for three hours. That's not a bug. That's poor training. I will train you so hard. (laughs) The only direct influence you had over your creature was uh, in two forms. One was the leashes. You could put different collars and leashes on it. One to induce aggression. One to uh, tell it to help whatever it was then leashed to, and one that was neutral. The other was direct physical interaction with your creature. You could pet it to reward it, or you could hit it to punish it. Depending on the creature, you could hit it to reward it. (laughs) Well, no. Yeah, I always hit my creature. (laughs) It was more entertaining. Just that hurt and bewildered expression they'd give you. You're rather abusive. I don't like the creatures. The creatures are lovely, especially if you train them upright. No, no, no. Hitting is the cure. Now, the idea of this is that when the creature shits on a building... (laughs) Still funny. You give it a smack around to train it not to do that. Or you give it a good scratch and it thinks, oh, yay, I'll do this more often. And so you can use sort of um, carrot and stick to train it to be the kind of creature you want it to be. If it poops on the field, reward it. It's fertilized the field. If it poops Is on that the... where it was Does supposed it... to poop? Yeah. Oh. I just told it off whenever it pooped near anything. It was my creature <laughs> was a go poop in the woods creature. He had to go outside to do his business. Mine just can... used to eat his poo. Ah. Oh. You, you meant to train that out of him. <laughs> Real I quick. Don't care. <laughs> It'll make him really ill. No, he wasn't. He was fine. What creature was it? Tiger. Oh yeah, tigers love poop. <laughs> Yes, if it poops on fields, fertilizes the fields. Okay, cool. That's Creatures cool. could also do their own miracles. So you could, oh yeah, yeah, you could teach your creature a miracle with the miracle bubbles that you get from the altar. Okay, and then once your creature knows how to cast rain, you can train it to do that over the fields as well. Huh. So it will go and poop on a field, then make it rain, and then it will grow a lovely crop of corn, and then it will pick the corn up and take it to the hut and put it in if you've trained it right. If you've trained it properly, it will burn the cornfield, throw poo into the food. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yes, if it poops in... Actually, that's... If it poops in the food store, it will poison poison all your villagers. Which is is... brilliant. (laughs) If If you don't like your villagers very much, I guess. Well, it's worth noting, the creature differentiates between friendly villagers and hostile villagers. So you can train it to poop in enemy food stores, but restock your food stores. And you can train it to eat enemy villagers, but don't eat your villagers. The only problem with this was, when you trained it, you trained it in how it would think about its last thought. Now, the trouble with that, you have no way of telling when it's had a new thought. So the situation would often arise, I've pooped on a building... (laughs) <laughs> that was pretty good <laughs> I am now going to go and eat some corn and you smack it about for pooping on the building because I won't eat corn anymore <laughs> I'm sorry 
But, but it hasn't learned anything about pooping on buildings, so it will continue to do that. And you're thinking, you stupid monkey. Yep. So it, it became wildly difficult to train your creature because you never knew quite what you were punishing or rewarding <laughs> it for. If you punish everything, it's fine. It just kills people. It just becomes a neurotic, sad thing that it doesn't life. do anything. It sits and kind of whimpers occasionally. But Not you have you to train tie it. it to the enemy creatures. You then have to train it because it mostly trends towards anarchy. If you don't train it, it'll, it'll kick trees around, eat villagers, and destroy things because that's fun. And it's an animal. Yep. Exactly. Why would you need to train that? This was, incidentally, one of the best improvements in Black and White 2, was that tr- Creature Training yep. opened a menu and showed its m- most recent thoughts. Good. And you could say, I want to train your attitude on this thought, and then... I reward really need or to get black and white too, or punish it. So yeah. you could go. All right, you were thinking about eating an enemy villager. Good boy. We like that. That's a, that's a good thing to think. You were thinking about pooping on my house. <laughs> Don't ever do that again. <laughs> so your creature could become a much more refined avatar of your will. I just, I just see Zim, Zim and Gur. <laughs> <laughs> The two best examples of what's wrong with the creature. Yeah. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> yeah, so you, you, uh, your other influence on the world was you planned the building of your villages, sort of. You could give them ideas. Yeah. It was another thing that vastly improved in Black and White 2 was you took actual schematics and put them where you wanted them and hmm. could set out the town like base building in an RTS. You know, I've never played 2, but... Oh. The more you say of it, the more it's like, actually, this is the style of game I like. I could totally You would back love to, because 2 takes everything that was wrong with Black and White and fixes it, and then adds war. Hey! Wait, I, you don't know me. I'm having <laughs> w- chest pains just thinking about how much I want this game. You, you're, what, 12? You shouldn't be having chest pains. Well, the other feature of Black and White 2, <laughs> quickly, uh, <laughs> is... Um, you could create armies. You would create a barracks building, put villages into it, and disciple warrior, but not quite disciple warrior. You know what I mean? Yeah. And make soldiers. And each unit of soldiers would have a flag. So again, you can't directly control them, but you put the flag where you want them to rally. And then go running on after that flag. Yep. And you could build city walls around your villages because times have moved on. Black and white has taught the primitives of this world conflict exists oh dear so now you're building warriors archers city walls which led to my favorite strategy ever yeah i used to have a big city wall preferably across a ravine or something something impenetrable Mm -hmm. then i'd have the city gate a city wall projecting from that gate with another gate right to create an airlock right i would then open the inner gate let my creature in close the inner gate open the outer gate, the enemy hoarding on the outside of the city go, (laughs) they have opened their gates, let's run in! They run in, I close the outer gate, (laughs) they are then trapped with my creature. And the creature goes, oh, no, no, no. It was really effective. I can imagine, that creature is like 40 feet tall. Yes, black and white. Yeah. Back to the game we're talking about, not the sequel. The disciple system, you mentioned that, that's awesome. It's the, the... Basically, what you could do was you, everybody had a job. You had your farmers, you had your maters, 
breeders. Your breeders, whatever, I don't care. <laughs> Mates. They had sex a lot. But I love that there's the differentiation between male and female there. If yeah. you make a female breeder, she gets pregnant once, has the baby, takes a lot of time, then gets pregnant again gets pregnant again yep if you have a bloke he just runs around and shags everything <laughs> yep <laughs> which is just brilliant well it's true to life and the way you would create disciples is by picking someone up and then setting them down next to what you wanted them to do and the, the principle of this was someone had been plucked from the ground by the hand of god and placed next to a tree so you become god wants me to be a forester and he would become a disciple of yours with the job Forester. Made sense. And if you pick them up and put them down next to the sea, God wants me to fish the sea! Disciple Fisherman. If you put them down next to a woman, God wants me to shag! <laughs> My God, I've got the best deal! Disciple Breeder! God. <laughs> but I love that sense of you'd had a direct influence on that person's life, so they became a disciple. But I imagine that only worked on um, Believers. Correct, yes. Oh, cool. Although you could make disciple missionaries who would go off and spread the word. Ah. What did you drop them next to in order to make the missionaries? Your temple? Um, I believe so, yeah. Hmm. I, or the missionary system may have come in later. I can't remember if that's no, one it, or two. No, it, it was in one. You, hmm. Yeah, you put them next to your temple, then you put them near the enemy village, and they'd all do their thing. Yes. Uh, what other aspects were there? There was uh, the dancing... Oh, creature boogieing. Creature boogieing. Your creature could delight the villagers by breakdancing. <laughs> and each animal had its own distinctive style of dancing as well. The tiger breakdanced, I remember distinctively. Yeah, that was fantastic. I love watching him just boogie in the middle of the village. <laughs> and all of the villagers just stop Which was whatever they're doing. Just potentially hugely him. destructive, it has to be said. You know, <laughs> yeah. when, when a 40-foot tiger starts dancing in the middle of a town, it has... <laughs> Negative side effects. But the people loved it. They all just circle around, clapping their hands, going, yeah. We should mention the temple that you put oh, yeah. your breeders next to. You have your direct representation of faith in the world is your temple, which is a structure that, again, changes depending on whether you're good or bad. It becomes evil and spiky or good and glowing. And the more people believe in you, the taller it becomes, which is a really cool system. Mm. I really like the temple. Uh, Why spikes equal evil? Because they hurt. Not if you make them out of, like, plush spikes or something. I don't well, know. then they're not spikes. They're conical plushies. That's... <laughs> All right, yep, spikes equal evil. That's been solved <laughs> for me now. I'm glad. Lovely. And so now we've established the tenets of the game. You, you're sort of planning the city. You're... Infl you're Solving the prayers of your believers. You're interacting with the world with a creature who can do your will, whether that is for good or ill. And there are other villagers around, and this is the crux of the gameplay. They don't believe in you. Dicks! They may even believe in other gods. Oh no! Dicks! Now, the neutral villagers are quite easy uh, to influence. Yeah, show them a trick. They... Believe in you, happy, easy. If you could always interact with the world a little bit outside of your sphere of influence. It was just outside of your sphere of influence. Your ability to interact with the world diminished incredibly quickly. So if they were close, you could nip over and do a few miracles, if you're a good god. Mm -hmm. Great way of getting belief. Or, because he 
can interact with the world. Anyway, you could send your creature. Hello. And suddenly, in this village of <laughs> atheists, a 20-foot-tall tiger walks in, picks up some trees from a nearby forest, shreds them and puts them in their wood store to help them build things, then helps harvest the fields. And they're like, that's not normal. Let yeah. us worship Tigra, the ever-living. <laughs> and you could gain belief. There were more direct ways. Yep. From within your sphere of influence, pick up a giant rock, fling it at the village. <laughs> pick up a giant fireball and fling it at the village. Yep. You set fire to or crush enough buildings, they'll believe, all right. There Why might is not, this happening? There might not be many of them left to believe, but they'll believe. And they'll breed believers. You just repopulate. <laughs> it's easy. And then once you take over a village, it becomes part of your sphere of influence, and you can interact with them directly to enhance your belief and rebuild. Because <laughs> inevitably you will need to rebuild, whether it's your creature has gone mad and sat on a building. Or... Something will always destroy something. No matter what you do. It might be a lovely die. god, but some shit going to get wrecked. And the game is represented as a series of islands that you need to conquer by having everyone on the island believe in you. This would only prove tricky if there were other gods. Because other gods had their own creatures who would fight your creature and also wreck your shit up. <gasps> Stupid creature. I'll be honest, one of the best things about black and white, creature on creature combat. Really? It looks so cool. It 20 foot really tall was. monsters battling it out over a village and crushing the village underfoot. If you that really awesome. your eye, brought your eye down to the height of a villager and yeah. looked up at them, it was so good. Okay. Especially when it's like a kung fu turtle beating the shit out of a giant evil wolf. Okay, I can see. <laughs> Kung Fu Turtle. Yeah, again, that B-movie influence clearly felt. Oh, yeah. And uh, I remember one of the hardest levels was definitely the one where you had no creature and the enemy had a creature. Yeah, what do I you do? do? I'm stuck on That was that Nemesis, level. I believe. Yeah. Uh, what you do is um, try and gain influence in every other way you can, whether it's um, throwing rocks or... Uh, using the, your ability to act outside of your sphere of influence, it just hampered you. Mm -hmm. It was a, a limitation imposed by the game for that level, and you were trying to liberate your creature from the enemy. Okay. I've never got past that level. That is, if people get stuck and abandon the game, that tends to be where... <laughs> well, I didn't abandon the game. The disc shattered in the drive, but... Oh. Yeah, I got, I got another problem. copy eventually, but I was too far gone to be bothered. Fair enough. Although it's probably available for a fiver now. It's a, not oh, yeah. a new game. I'm totally getting it. It well, is great. I've Although, it. get two. I'll get two. Two is exceptional. It's, it is an improvement in almost every regard, but one is where it all began. Hmm. And uh, that is basically it, gameplay-wise. Yeah. But then what we have to remember is, is the sense of humour. A lot of it was very joking. There was poop jokes everywhere. Poop jokes everywhere. <laughs> there was the the, um, the Easter eggs. For example, if you cast the right miracle gesture, you can summon a telephone box on an island just offshore, which if you clicked on it will then give you voicemail messages from the designers. That's kind of cool. cool. Uh, you could find like giant beach balls for your creature to play with, or bowling pins and giant bowling balls. Right. Just <laughs> hidden in various places. And then... There was a group of gentlemen 
who had a notion that they would oh, quite like to sail the ocean. Those dicks. <laughs> I hate those dicks. They always want something. Yep. Go on, because I never found these guys. Have you never found really? these guys? They're really obvious. Well, oh, where is it? Some people will know that uh, there is a, a YouTube video attached to each post available at simplysyndicated.com and also at worldonestage1.com. Yeah, fine. I then. suspect that the YouTube video for this episode will be a bunch of gentlemen who've got a notion that they would quite like to sail the ocean. Oh, hit me. Yep. Holy Jesus, those guys. So there you go, Troy. That that was the, the sailor song. Um, interesting thing to note, those cutscenes with those songs were unskippable. Yeah, I can imagine. I, I think the line of, we're not leaving or we're not going anywhere till we get some wood, that would be a really strong incentive Yeah, to get really rid was. of them. But those sailors contained within them such a density of jokes that they are precisely what i'm talking about how this game is littered with little references because first of all if you get frustrated and try and kill one of them because there's one of them you can pick up right and you fling him into the ocean to drown as you'd hope the others will go oh my they've killed kenny (laughs) (laughs) so immediate reference you saw the titanic reference when if you actually help the sailors to leave they will sail off with the two, the couple at the prow with their arms wide in Titanic pose. Special. But in that special lion head sense of humor way, when they demand meat, there are various animals around that you can give them. And if you put a pig on their boat, they'll go, thank you for this meat. But if you put a sheep, thank you. Sheep can have many uses. Ah. <laughs> I just always give them cows because it was like right next to the boat. Sheep. Sheep can have many uses and it's a long voyage. <laughs> Sheep because, you know, it's a lion head game and they're all from the West Country. Of course. <laughs> oh, lion head. Come on. <laughs> give some new voices. So, yeah, it was full of uh, a great sense of humor. Mm. And at some places, a dark sense of humor. My favorite Easter egg in black and white. Um, one of the things we haven't touched on is you can sacrifice villagers. Villagers die. Oh, yeah! And when they die, there is the the chilling whisper throughout the land, Oh, no! Which is kind of creepy. Yeah. Now, when you typed in your profile name, if you typed in a name that it recognized, for example, if I were to type in Simon Uh as my profile name, if it was on a list they had of the most common boys and girls' names... It would only happen between the hours of, I think it was like 2 and 4 in the morning. Instead of whispering, you would hear, Oh, that's horrible. Or, Mike. And the first time it happens, of course, it's 2 in the morning. You've been playing all evening. It's, you've been playing for hours. There is this, did I just hear that? <laughs> response immediately. There's, was that real? Yes, that's real, but oh, it freaks you out the first time. See, no game is well. Actually, the only game I can think of that's ever had my name as a as a voice recognition one was uh, Dirt Two. They finally yeah. have Troy in there. 
Codemasters still don't have Simon in their list. Really? Really. Uh, yeah. I was Gonzo for a long time. Which is why in F1 2010, uh, I am playing the, the phenomenal driver Tiberius. <laughs> what? They have the name Tiberius, but not the name Simon. I'll just play Mike. Cause that Shut works. your face. Shut up, you dick. Shut your face. Ooh, who are you driving for now, by the way? Lotus. Still Lotus? Yeah. I got a McLaren offer. Well, I've only just done Monza. Oh, all right. So... I I have not signed for anyone for next season, uh, but I have rejected everything that's come along, including Williams. Yeah, s- save it to the last. I am. Um, I'm rejecting anything that anything short of a number one driver with McLaren. Oh, I was I was hoping for a Force India and didn't get <laughs> didn't get a Force India. I won the championship. Force India said no, we don't want you. McLaren number two said, yeah, we'll have you. I well. Right now, the number two team in in my Formula One is Lotus. Um. I I didn't win enough races to bring them up that high, but we're digressing. We're talking about F1. I've also rejected multiple Force India contracts. Uh, But yes, we have digressed. We apologize. Uh, Although I think largely that's because black and white, there is not much much else else to say. say. It's a great episode. Mm. We went, yeah, we've reached the end of it. And then... Other stuff happens. It's a phenomenal god game. It's packed with a very dry wit. It's unique gameplay at the time. Oh, yeah. Uh, the, the primogenitor of many of the tropes of god gaming to come. Absolutely. The creature AI is a lot of fun, even if it was flawed deeply <clears throat> in the original Black and White. And it sets the stage for Black and White 2, which, honestly, that's the game you want to play. Black yeah. and White is a lot of fun and it sets the stage which is why i thought we should talk about it lest it be forgot in the wake of its bigger brother which is a far superior game Mm -hmm. but this came first and the humor in there there is so much that is worth digging into it for yeah be it the hermit on the hill who refuses to believe in you uh be it the man who is immune to throwing damage Huh. Who challenges you to set a record for how far he can be thrown? Wow, <laughs> I like him already. Yep, uh, and also some fiendish puzzles, uh, like the singing stones. Oh, them! I've never completed the singing stones. There's also the uh, a classic. The towers of Hanoi make an appearance in there, which is oh, yeah. a classic puzzle trope. It's in Mass Effect, for example. In uh, Kotor Two, I think. Yep, it's just a. It's a wonderful little puzzle to throw in anywhere. Yeah. And all sorts of things like that. It's Go check it out. It's a great example of the genre. Mm-hmm. I cool. Think, I think that does it. All right, so as always, you know, keep uh, keep pouring in your audio comments. I'm, I'm loving that we're getting more of these. I know. It's fun. Um, oh, before we go, ooh. it is worth touching on Creature Isle, the, uh, the expansion pack. Oh. Never played it. It added lots of fun things for your creature to do. It added a lot to the game. It's, I don't want to say any more than that. Just that it's if it you, was cool. If it was you worth pick it. up black and white, you can probably find it with Creature Isle very cheaply. Yeah, it is worth getting. Oh, and just one tiny note. One thing I loved about black and white: the original DVD case. Yeah. What color was the label? It was black, wasn't it? It was reversible. Was it really? Yep. Oh yeah. If you took it out and flipped it around, there was a white one on the other side. Huh, I didn't know that. The game was black and white. Oh, that's tragic yeah, and ca- wonderful. But the case was black, though. Yes. 
So I always went black. Fair enough. So, well, yeah, did you usually play evil or good? Oh, I was always evil. Troy? Oh, evil. Oh, I'm the only good player here. Really? Oh, yeah. I found it too much work. I do it because it's more of a challenge. And I like throwing people. Well, if you're good enough, they'll forgive you. (laughs) So until next time, I have been Simon. I have been Mike. And if you do your job properly, they'll never know you did anything at all. That was World 1 Stage 1. Visit our website at world1stage1.com. Join our forum, send us an email. Or follow us on Twitter at W1S1. And, of course, our thanks go to Power Glove for our theme tune.